Hey guys, and welcome to the Bodybuilding Dietitians podcast. Thank you for joining your hosts, Tierra and Jack, for what is now episode number three of our new Road to 2023 series. So before we get stuck into our previous weeks, we wanted to remind you guys that if you do enjoy this series and these episodes, please remember to repost them onto your Instagram stories, tag myself, tag Tierra, and tag TBD as well. And without further ado, we'll get stuck into things. Awesome. Well, it has been a really good week this past week. We are officially four weeks post-comp now. Yeah, four weeks and you are 24. I am 24. (laughs) It was my birthday on the weekend, which was really special. It's always nice when your birthday lands on a weekend because you don't just have to have a birthday. You can have a birthday (laughs) weekend. (laughs) Well, some people like to do birthday weeks and birthday months. Some people, yeah, do birthday (laughs) months. I'm like, whoa, man, like this is a lot of celebrations. That's a 12th of the year. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's a nice excuse to enjoy yourself. Yeah, but I'm not going to lie. I just don't think that I have enough friends to carry about birthday (laughs) celebrations for a whole month. I'd have to do a few repeats with a few groups. (laughs) Maybe one one friend per catch up. Oh my goodness. But yeah, it was a really fun weekend. So basically we got to celebrate on Saturday and Sunday and it was nice. Still did a little bit of client work across the two days, but got the majority of it all done during the week, which was nice. But, you know, we trained, got to do some yoga in the sun with the dogs, which was fun. And I also went bowling with my family and Jack, which was really fun. You know, people always go out for birthday celebrations and go to restaurants, which is totally understandable. You know, food is awesome. And there's no denying that you and I both love to eat. And it's a nice way to get together. But I feel like, oh, eating something that I do multiple times per day, every day. Well, food was a major part of your birthday weekend anyway. Yeah, it really, it was. Obviously, with our 24th birthday rest day roast special mm-hmm. edition. But, I mean, like, a lot of people were asking me, especially my family, where they were like, you know, do you want to go out to eat? Do you want to go out to a restaurant? And, like, it's nice, but it's because I, I eat all the time. It's like, I want to do something that I don't always do all the time. Mm. And I really like to do things. So it was really nice to actually go bowling together. And that was fun and got to be a little bit competitive and uh, (laughs) did do two rounds. (laughs) I won the first round, but the comeback's always stronger than the setback. And Jack did get quite a few strikes on that second Mm. round. Yeah, I don't know what came over me in the second game. I would not profess to be a good bowler, but... I don't know, something was just with my hands and I was bowling lots of strikes. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I think out of 10, you got four strikes, four yeah. or five. And That's almost spares, 50%. Yeah. Yeah. I think I just needed that first game to warm up, mm-hmm. get back in the routine from primary school when I was like eight or nine and we used to go bowling. Yeah, but man, it was fun. I, I like bowling. It's one of those things you forget about, but then once you do, you're like, this is actually a cool way to hang out with people. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's... It's a nice uh, nice environment, that's for sure. Yeah, so got to do some bowling. And then on Sunday, we went and did this treetop challenge. So anyone who would have done like school camps and stuff when they were a little kid, I, I know it's a very popular thing here in Australia. I'm not sure how popular it is over in other countries, but generally every single year with your grade group, you go on like a school camp. Mm. And I think it's called high ropes. Mm. I'm not sure what the difference between high and low ropes is or well, whether they're into high ropes are higher than the low ropes. <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't know because it, at school camp, we were quite high up in the air and they were calling it low ropes. Wow. <laughs> so maybe it's vice versa. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe they're 
trying to swindle us or something. <laughs> Either way, there's ropes involved. But basically, we did this thing called treetop challenge where you are up in the trees and you're being challenged. And they've just got these big, like, wires hanging between trees. And you get to do all these obstacles and climb across bridges and swing across flying foxes. It was a fun morning. And it was just a beautiful morning as well. Like Yeah, perfect day for it. Yeah, that was really fun to do. And again, going out and doing something. And then last night was probably one of the most special editions of the birthday weekend, which was the rest day roast. And we did something we've never done before so far. We did a slow cooker for 10 hours and we put in some big turkey drumsticks in there. And I'm not going to lie, man, that was the best turkey I've ever had in my life. And I've eaten turkey a lot of times. <laughs> yeah, it was it was amazing. That's for sure. We'll definitely be using the slow cooker more often. Yeah, it was incredible. We just did like a big bed of whole celery stalks and carrots on the bottom. And then we marinated the turkey overnight in like this barbecue homemade marinade yep. with all that Worcestershire. And then we slow cooked it up for 10 hours. So we put it on at like 6 a.m. in the morning, got home from the treetops in the afternoon, and boy, did the house smell good. Yeah. <laughs> boy, the dogs would have been going crazy while we left them outside. And then we had that with a bunch of buttered up pumpkin and potatoes and roast veg, my dad's special homemade beans. So that was really special and certainly something I could never get at a restaurant. So yeah, ticks every box. <laughs> Yeah, I can't wait to repeat that one. Yeah, it was a really fun, uh, really fun way to take it off. But yeah, I'm 24 now, bro. <laughs> Do you feel 24? I don't really know. Like, how are you supposed to feel when you turn older? I don't know. Yeah, I've... it's one of those annoying questions that you get asked on your birthday. Yeah, but at the same time, like, I'm actually really happy to be a year older because I've just got one extra year of muscle maturity under my belt. You know, like, people are always ashamed to say their age, especially as they get older. And I'm like, man, the muscle maturity. Like, I'm literally jealous. Like, by the time I'm 30, by the time I'm 40, I'm going to be bragging about it. Mm. Undoubtedly, yeah. Yeah, so it's a nice way to look at it. <laughs> and what about the rest of your week? Is there anything you want to touch on? Ooh, it was just another solid week of training in particular, to be honest, because this was our third week of our new mesocycle. And again, just post-comp, like the strength gains are just rapid. I think you're regaining a little bit of lost strength, but also like I'm hitting just lifetime PRs in a lot of movements. And it just gets me so excited and just gives me that adrenaline rush and that endorphin rush every single time I do something that I've literally never done before. Mm -hmm. And especially at this low body weight. So I have a higher power to weight ratio. It's uh, it's freaking awesome. So like for my dumbbell RDLs, I got three by nine with those 42.5 kilogram dumbbells. And tomorrow at Mount Gravatt, I'll go for three by 10. And if I get that three by 10, pretty confident I can do it. Cause like, I'm not going to failure with these things. It's going to be that call of, depending on how they feel tomorrow, the following week, will I go up to the 45 kilogram dumbbells and try to go for three by eight, which I'm pretty confident I can do because that will then be a total of 90 kilograms. And then me right now at my body weight of 60 kilograms, that's going to be 1.5 times my body weight for dumbbell RDLs. Wow, that's epic. I don't think many people can say that. <laughs> I don't... Depends. Like, people who are lighter like and really strong, they have a higher chance of doing that. But yeah. obviously, the heavier you get. Well, since I'm quite light for me at the moment, I'm because I'm doing the 60s, 
and I'm 80. So that's 120 kilos total. So that's exactly 1.5 times as well. Mm -hmm. And your barbell RDLs are over two times your body weight. Yeah, they, uh, I mean, I'll talk about my barbell RDLs Mm -hmm. in a bit. (laughs) Yeah, but you're still damn strong, but Mm. that's pretty awesome. And just a lot of other movements, like my dumbbell shoulder press, like today I got three by eight with the 18 kilogram dumbbells. And last week was only three by seven. And again, I was only like this today. I was like, I would be happy if I just got one set of eight and at least two sets of seven, but like really surprised myself with being able to get three sets of eight. And I know that it, it's because it's in these early weeks of the mesocycle coming out of prep. I cannot expect to keep up this rapid of strength mm. in the long term. But while it's happening, man, I'm soaking it up and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But uh, other movements, my bench this week. Last week I got three by eight with a 47.5 kilograms. So this week finally I can get back into the 50 kilograms, which is good and aim for at least three by six. That's something I've done before, but it's just nice to be able to move back up into 50 plus kilograms for bench again. So yeah, it was just a solid week of training. I think the only thing that I'll touch on is that Hey guys, just a reminder that we offer coaching services, which you can find on our website by searching The Bodybuilding Dietitians on Google or via the show notes below. We coach anyone with a health and fitness related goal. Especially the beginning of this podcast series, I was talking about, you know, setting big goals for my training and there's a lot of movements that I want to get really freaking strong in. And one that I mentioned was barbell hip thrusts. Like I really want to be able to do a 200 kilogram barbell hip thrust to kind of tick that box. It's a big milestone. But if I'm totally honest, man, I've been doing barbell hip thrusts these past few weeks now, and I'm just not feeling the best connection in my glutes. I've been doing like 130 kilograms for three by 10, and I've actually done that three weeks in a row now before I increase the weight because I can lift the weight and I feel like I'm locking out, but compared to that hip thrust machine, I just do not get nearly the same connection, nearly the same pump. And I really have to make a decision now, should I stick with barbell hip thrust just for the sake of it? Cause you know, it's a big compound movement. It'd be cool to get really strong in, or should I prioritize the main goal, which is growing my butt mm-hmm. and actually choosing a better movement pattern that I'm probably going to reap more physique benefits from in the long term. Yeah. I've had the same decision making matrix myself. Like I've chosen to stick with the machine hip thrust and it's not quite as like extravagant to say, oh, I can machine hip thrust 70 kilos when I was doing like 220, I think for barbell, Mm -hmm. but you just have to prioritize. Like I prioritize the connection and the convenience, not to mention of taking on and off like five plates aside. That's not particularly time efficient when you can get just as good a connection uh, on the machine hip thrust. And at the end of the day, it's the same movement pattern. Our, our butt doesn't know what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just knows, ouch. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Oh, I couldn't agree more. The bar, racking up a barbell hip thrust, that's a workout in itself, especially if you're mm. going heavy. So Especially in prep. Yeah, and when you take a barbell hip thrust out of prep, I reckon you actually cut down your knee by quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, I think a calorie drop coincided with that week. <laughs> but... The thing is, is that I used to be married to barbell hip thrusts for like a few years. You know, I used to be under that impression, the thrust is a must. And I would barbell hip thrust three times a week and 
honestly, I actually started to experience the best glute growth and development of my life this past year when I incorporated Bulgarian split squats and heavy Smith machine lunges. And I cut my barbell hip thrusts during prep from three down to one. And I would say that my glutes looked the best and they were the biggest and they were the strongest they've ever been. Now, I'm definitely not dismissing barbell hip thrusts at all. They're an awesome movement, but they're an awesome movement pattern. And I feel like now because it's progressed from just having the compound movement with the barbell and the plates to now having these epic hip thrust machines, like some of them are pretty freaking dodgy, but there's a lot of really good ones out there now. And if you can get a better connection and it's just a much better setup and you feel it way more and you feel like you can truly progress with that, I feel like I would be a fool to put my ego ahead of that. Yeah, I I think you've made the right decision. Mm -hmm. I I would be a hypocrite if I said you didn't because I... (laughs) I made the same decision myself. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm going to start, I was already using that hip thrust machine once a week. And then I was doing heavy barbell hip thrusts on on another day of the week because I'm doing full body five times per week. But now I'm just going to start using the hip thrust machine twice a week, but just with a different weight and a different rep range for both. The only thing I'll say for people who might be in a similar boat to us is especially when you, let's say you move from a barbell hip thrust to the leg curl hip thrust, which Mm. I'm not a massive fan of. I think it's good for some people like potentially who, because at the end of the day, like hip thrusting on the leg curl, it's not that heavy. So you have to, and by the time you reach that max, a lot of people will reach that max uh, effort quite quickly, even Mm. for higher reps, like 20 to 25 reps. So if you are moving from something like the barbell to the leg curl hip thrust, just make sure your intensity is the same as it was on the barbell. You don't Mm. want to move from the barbell to the machine and just be like, oh, this is a new movement. Uh, it, it feels new. I'm going to start off light or it's just going to be a different perception of exertion. So make sure you do knuckle down and maybe even do an AMRAP set once your, your movement pattern is locked in after a couple of weeks. And that way you can be like, okay, my rep range is eight to 10. Let's try an AMRAP. If you're on your AMRAP, you get 20 reps, then you need to increase the weight. Yeah. And man, using the leg curl machine as a hip thrust machine, it can be dangerous. I remember trying it at UQ Sport and that machine was not like drilled into the ground Mm. and I went to thrust up. I nearly knocked over (laughs) the freaking machine. (laughs) Glutes must have been pretty strong, eh? But the thing is, is that at World's Gym Brisbane, it's it's drilled into the ground. So, you know, yep. you're not going to topple over with a bunch of a big weight stack on you. But I just think there a heads are some up, guys and some girls, though, who would kind of test that, I don't know, whatever it is, <laughs> screw in the drown, ground, though, because it's only one screw. And like, if you thrust up hard, you got all the weight of your thrust plus the weight of the machine. Like, yeah, something's going to go snap, maybe. Yeah, boy, it's dangerous. All right. So health and safety first before glute <laughs> yeah. gains. But... The thing is, is that with machines nowadays, like a lot of machines are amazing. And it's not just the hip thrust machine that you can get an incredible connection with, arguably better than a barbell hip thrust now. But think about things like a chest press machine or a a seated row or something like that uh, compared to just using free weights. Like that's why, think about all of these engineers and architects who are in the gym space. We can't deny that. Yeah, definitely. And that's been, I've said it in one of the earlier episodes, that's one of the main, or maybe I haven't actually, but this new program for me after prep, like I've, I've continued on the path of prioritizing a lot of 
machine work for that stimulus to fatigue ratio. Mm -hmm. So maximizing stimulus, minimizing fatigue. So for example, like unless I genuinely just want to do barbell bench press, I can't see myself implementing that again. Mm -hmm. Maybe even the barbell back squat. The only barbell movement I'm really doing is like a, a Romanian deadlift mm-hmm. and I guess a T-bar row if you count that, but everything else is machine or dumbbell or something or Smith machine. Yeah. I was even surprised to see that in this new block, you're actually still doing like a dumbbell bent over row rather yeah. than using machine. I actually, cause it's a different variation. It's an elbow flared dumbbell row mm. and, uh, I do that for upper back prioritization and I did try a flared elbow for the machine seated row. Mm -hmm. It just didn't work for me, unfortunately. And I feel it just because you have more freedom in terms of the, the moment arm in terms of your elbow, it's Mm -hmm. not fixed with the dumbbell. So I could kind of align it how I wanted to. Yeah. But depending on which gym you're in, there are some epic rowing machines, especially just having a chest supported one. Yeah. Mm. They're good. But yeah, guys, that's kind of our take on uh, on machines versus free weights. But really, I think that you should always really prioritize that mind-muscle connection and be honest with yourself. Like, am I just married to this exercise because everyone says that you should do it or you think that you have to do it or should you really prioritize the fact that, hey, I'm really trying to grow this muscle group here? Yeah, certainly. I think... There is a balance though as well. Like you can't just try something for one session and be like, no, that's mm-hmm. not for me. Unless like, I don't know, you injure yourself or you're hundred percent certain it's not. Yeah. But yeah. <laughs> have you got much to say about nutrition? Not too much with nutrition, but interestingly, I didn't change anything this past week. On average, my calories were the exact same. My output was the exact same compared to the two weeks prior. The two weeks prior, my weight went up from 59.7 on average to 59.8. But this past week, it's jumped up to 60.2 on average. What mm. the flips, man? And like, I'm looking at all these numbers and I'm like, everything's the same. Why didn't that happen the week before? So. Well, we know things aren't exactly the same. I think you know where I'm going with this potentially. With the rest day roast? Yeah. But I deleted that average. Okay, well, yeah, then, well, at the same time, we know that it's going to flow on throughout the whole week. So Mm -hmm. even deleting the average from the next day, because you, you did exceed your energy intake for that day. I did the very first time, Mm -hmm. but these past two rest day roasts, I have been tracking them to make sure they fit in within my macros for the day. Okay. Well, I guess we also, just to try and explain it then, we also know that like body weight doesn't due to the spreadsheets that works on a week to week basis and Mm -hmm. it calculates the average basis on seven days, but body weight obviously doesn't think in seven day averages. So it could have, you could have been planned for an increase regardless. And if you'd taken a monthly average, it would have been factored in, but Mm -hmm. like out of interest, potentially you might track a monthly average or something. Yeah. So my rate of gain goal right now is around half a kilogram per month, but this past week it just jumped up by 400 grams. I'm not too fussed, to be honest. Like, I feel excellent. I like the way that I look. I'm training like an absolute freaking beast, but it's just interesting to me. But I obviously have to keep monitoring this and we need to take some skin folds. It's been about yeah. four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know where mine have gone, but it'll be interesting to see where the numbers are specifically. Exactly. We know obviously they're up because we've gained weight. That's the whole goal. Yeah. But I think one more, thing, honestly. I'm more interested in the long term. Like, I genuinely want to take them, but more so not to know what the specific number is, but to compare it when I was last 80 mm. kilos or around 80 kilos. I'm not going to lie. I think the biggest barrier to me taking them right now is just the temperature. 
Like, <laughs> I don't want to strip down and get cold to take my skin folds. It's hard enough early in the morning at 5 a.m. when it's like seven degrees. You got to strip down and weigh yourself. Like, God, it's painful. Yeah, it is. <laughs> anyway, what I, where I was going with that was my weight has jumped up this past week, interestingly, from the past week in terms of numbers, not changing anything. I'm not too fussed, but I need to continue to monitor yeah. from All here. All it means is that you won't, you won't do a macro increase until it mm. slows down. Yeah, so I'm just going to keep things the same. But if it stays, if it continues to climb at this rate, I ultimately will have to pull back. Yeah. And I think I should probably just be a little bit more responsible with my protein intake <laughs> and maybe lower that down from 200 grams, but I'm not going to mess with carbs or fats. Like I would yeah. not decrease my carbs and fats. I would just have to sacrifice a protein cake during the day, but hell, I'm willing to do that. It's okay. <laughs> from three to two. <laughs> I can do it. I can manage it. It'll be all G. But yeah, I'll just keep macros the same. So just at 200 protein right now, 350 carb and 40 fat keep that rolling and uh yeah we need to just bite the bullet strip off our clothes just like <laughs> fight the cold and keep take pg please take some skin folds and take some progress photos this coming week yep hey guys just a reminder that we post regular informative content on both our instagram and youtube channel so make sure to go over to those platforms and search the bodybuilding dietitians see you there Awesome. Sounds like a plan. Yeah, but man, that was pretty much my week. It was good. How was your week? Yeah, overall, I had a perfect week as well. Well, very good. Perfect. Wow. <laughs> it's hard to beat. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I'll start off with training probably. So with training, it's definitely improving. I wouldn't say being more of a realist than you. Like it's definitely not perfect actually. So overall, mm -hmm. I didn't have a perfect week. I take back those words, but it definitely went according to plan and I'm just still not recovered. Like I am recovering, but I, and I'm on track for where I would expect to be, but definitely in terms of training, like I just haven't, I'm not 85, 90 kilos, which I think is my sweet spot for strength. Mm. And at the moment I'm, I'm willing to compromise a little bit of leverages and take my time getting from like 80 to 85 over four to five months, as opposed to jumping straight to 85 quickly, because like one, uh, I, I don't want to, I want to prolong the period until my next diet. And two, I can still make muscle gains and hypertrophy gains by like not being at my all time strength. Like my, your all time strength is often going to be correlated, correlate, yeah, correlated with your leverages and your total body weight, especially pushing movement. So it just, because you're not at your all time strength doesn't mean you're not putting on new, new tissue. You're mm. still doing what needs to be done in order to grow and that's exactly what I plan on doing so uh, my sessions are, are light years ahead of what, what they were in prep like I have good energy throughout I still am progressing on a lot of movements uh, from prep but I've also incorporated a decent amount of new movements as well which I'm getting the hang of and all that kind of stuff and I, I am managing at the moment like a little bit of a tricep elbow niggle and like the same elbow that I had tendonitis in for like six months and yeah, hope, I'm seeing Scott, my physio this week about that. So hopefully we can shed some light on that because I don't know, my, my, uh, non, it's not within my scope of practice. So like, I, I don't even know enough to give myself a diagnosis or anything, but I have a feeling that it's not actually a tendonitis, which is good. I have a feeling it's more so like, uh, some ulnar nerve irritation, which, um, is just causing some discomfort in the tricep itself. Right, because I don't really have that much tenderness at the elbow itself, 
which I know is a bit more of an indication of of uh, tendonitis of the elbow, mm-hmm. of the triceps. Yeah, with injuries, it seems like it's that tricep is just so iffy. Yeah, and as you can probably tell, I've already overanalyzed it, hence I was able to give that breakdown. <laughs> and yeah, but plus I've, I, I know a decent amount about my injuries just because I always make sure to ask Scott a lot of questions and so I can understand the pathology and how to minimize it in future, which mm-hmm. I think is really important. Yeah. And I'm just genuinely interested. So yeah, overall training is improvement, improving. I'm, I'm very happy with a lot of the changes I made to my back training. So I'm prioritizing not wearing a belt on pretty much all my lower back dominant lifts uh, instead of RDLs, barbell RDLs, but like dumbbell RDLs, T-bar rows, single arm dumbbell rows, all that kind of stuff is all beltless. And I'm also doing a lot more upper back and trap work as well, mm-hmm. which I think I'm definitely noticing the fatigue there, especially in the barbell RDLs. But I can also, I know it's a lot of it is just my perception because realistically I'm not still not in the best spot to gain muscle, but I'm definitely noticing some favorable thickness in the upper back and traps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a lot fuller. And question, do you still wear a belt when you do leg press? Yes, I do. I just, cause like, I mean, I'm still not even 80 kilos on average. I, I, I actually haven't even hit 80 kilos at all yet. I was 79.9 this morning. <laughs> right on the brink. <laughs> and uh, like, that's very light for me. And for example, when I started like my bodybuilding journey in, in 2015, 2016, I was like slightly over 80 or about 80 kilos on the dot. Mm-hmm. So for me to be under 80 right now is, is still light and I'm still comparatively lean for, for the average person as well. Do you even remember what it feels like to be 94 kilograms? Yeah, it didn't feel that great, to be honest, which is why I didn't hold it for very long. I think for me, definitely the sweet spot is going to be like around that 85 to 90. Yeah. And um, yeah, I can't. I'm looking forward to... I'm, I'm still feeling comparatively good now. So yeah. Mm-hmm. But I guess something else with training is also the RDL, which I spoke about before. Like that just hasn't been feeling the best. Like my RDL is my movement mm-hmm. and like it's a movement that I've always been strong at and confident at and like in prep I definitely let it slip a bit in terms of the upper back rounding not even the lower back more of the upper back and that just meant because as I was doing the concentric phase so moving the bar upwards like so pulling it my upper back would round a bit in order to compensate for or not even compensate it just wasn't strong enough and uh, it's, it's started to still do that a little bit despite scaling back from like 170 to 160 kilos. So I just decided to like make the decision, like cut it, like drop, drop back in weight, tighten up the form and then rebuild from there. Mm-hmm. And what I've done just to make it a little bit more difficult as well, um, after dropping it back, uh, just so it wasn't too much of an ego hit, <laughs> I decided to do like a half snatch grip so that it's a little bit more hopefully prioritize my upper back a little bit more by doing that and uh, also get a bit more range of motion. So like one, I can, the additional range of motion will allow me to target my hammies more and also allow me to like target my upper Mm -hmm. back more. Yeah. And making that decision, it's always tough. And I think we've all been there at some point or another where we've progressed really far with a movement 
but then having to scale it back for some reason, whether maybe you've lost a significant percentage of your body weight, Mm. or perhaps your form wasn't in the best check, or perhaps you suffered from an injury and now you're coming back. Like it's tough to deal with regardless because you know where you've been and you're like, man, I know that I'm capable of more than this right now, but I'm just not there yet. Mm. But it's really about patience and that short-term sacrifice so that you can make that long-term game. Like, because you know that you are going to exceed, like within the coming months, you'll probably be past 180 kilograms for RDLs. I'd hope so, yeah. I think just like something else I'm about to talk about, there's just that switch that flicks. And I think I'll need to just get to a certain point in my recovery where that switch will flick and I'm like, okay, this is moving like butter. Mm. And it's already happened with a couple of movements. Like for example, my dumbbell press today felt really good. Like I'm moving up. In, in dumbbells every single session, like not in reps, but in actual dumbbells. Yeah, and what so. progression, how many, is it two kilograms or 2.5 each dumbbell? Two, yeah. Damn. So yeah, four kilos in total every session. And obviously I can't do that every session, but mm. probably start doing by reps now yeah. and not dumbbells. But the other one is like seal row, dumbbell seal row. That's been feeling really, really good. But yeah, that's training for me. I'll definitely keep you guys updated. And overall, it's 99% positive. Mm-hmm. And even the changes I've had to make there, they're going to be positive in the long run. So. And do you think you're still going to aim for a six-week block and then do a deload? Or do you have that? Or are you going to auto-regulate it? I think I might start to auto-regulate it a bit more, especially since my I've to- taken down my total volume to two sets for pretty much all compound lifts. And I think that'll be best moving forward, especially if I have, like we know we have events coming up in about three or four weeks time, which is when I'll be deloading. Mm -hmm. So if I can stagger my deloads for like either holidays or for periods where I know I'll be busier, then that's, then I'll probably do that as well. Very smart. Mm, Thank you. So moving on to like nutrition. So in terms of body weight, I've, I've last week when I updated you guys, I said that I hadn't really moved too much that week, but kind of the opposite last week I moved up by about six to 700 grams, which is what I wanted. So I moved up to about 79.4 on average. And my goal at the end of this week is just to consistently weigh in at 80 kilos. So another like five to 600 gram jump. And basically that'll kind of cut short the, not cut short, but end the reverse period. Like I'll, I'll be 80 kilos by then. I will have gained back about four to five kilos, closer to four kilos. And in about five weeks, five weeks. Yep which is a good rate of gain for my total body weight. And so like that would be five weeks. So yeah, about four kilos in five weeks, which Mm. is quite good. And um, then I'll commence a rate of gain of closer to one kilo per month, which is about just over like 1% of my body weight, which is more on the moderate to aggressive rate of weight gain. So it's not like I'm going super slow now. I'll still be going like around 300 grams, two to 300 grams per week. Awesome. Yeah, so my my macros haven't actually changed, which is a little bit odd for me. They're at about 525 grams of carbs, 80 fat, and 275 protein. And that's on a training day. On a rest day, another thing that's been very interesting for me is uh, my discrepancy between rest day and training days is huge now, like more than it's ever been. It's, uh, It's about 500 calories. And on my rest days, I always wake up heavier. So like potentially if I wanted to be at maintenance on a rest day, not in a surplus, that could be even more like 
six to 700 calories, Mm -hmm. which is pretty nuts. And like, that's basically saying that you uh, train like a beast. (laughs) Yes. Well, I expend a lot of energy in my sessions and I, especially since lowering my volume in the sessions, I'm very surprised that that that, that's the case. Uh, especially since my steps are similar on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, that's why uh, I'm just torn with when they post these research studies and they're like, you know, we had 100 participants do this training program and on average they only burnt 150 calories per training session. And then they blanket state it like, you're burning way less during resistance training than you think. Mm -hmm. It's like, put 100 Jack Radford Smiths in this study, okay? Get them to walk around World's Gym Brisbane for two and a half hours to and from the gym and also train legs and tell me otherwise, okay? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's nuts. And like we, it's it's obviously not just the session, but as you said, it's like warming up, walking to and from the gym. Mm -hmm. Like even let's say I'm, I'm walking to and from the gym with you on Ipswich Road, like that's probably going to be at a faster pace than me walking around the house or with the dogs at the park on a rest day. So that's going to expend more energy than... But still a significant chunk of it is still the session itself. Because when they do these studies, you know, sure, they might be like, yeah, we did six exercises and everyone trained to failure. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) What a joke. True failure on every single set of six exercises. When you probably look at it, they're probably doing things like chest press, you Mm. know, and like a pin loaded leg press or a leg extension. They're not doing RDLs at over two times their body weight and so on. It is interesting, isn't it? Yeah. But I truly think that you and I, during our training sessions, we do burn a lot of energy. Yeah. Well, regardless, I think I'm fairly unique in that aspect because like you keep your nutrition the same on a rest day, but Mm. your weight doesn't fluctuate that much. But I do notice that my needs pretty damn high, you know, like during those hours that I'm not in the gym. And if I have a little bit of extra time, if I'm not like calling clients and stuff, I'll be like, okay, cool. You know, I'll, I'll sweep the floor or Mm. I'll just do little things. Yeah, and, and most of my clients, they're on the same macros as mm. well. Like, ideally, of course, you want to be on the same macros because it's you get to eat the same amount of food. Like, there's not as much changes to your nutrition for that day. And, like, for us, it's we also get to enjoy the extra food mm. on, on a rest day. But, like, by all means, I would love to eat the same amount on a rest day. But, like, I would literally wake up, like, one to two kilos heavier, which yeah. just isn't conducive at the moment to my goals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, with time, we'll see if that balances out. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, the last thing I've mentioned with nutrition is just food focus and like appetite. And I have actually noticed some really positive changes with food focus. It has gone down significantly and the main, and you're probably thinking this as well, but like the main testament to that is like, I'll usually I volumize my cream of wheat post-workout to the max and I'll, I'll have as much food volume as possible and same with my oats like I don't want to add cereal to my oats because I'd rather just have more oats Mm -hmm. but now I'm starting to like today I had protein pancakes post-workout which is like one tenth of the volume Mm -hmm. Um, I'm having like cereal on my oats as a topping for extra carbohydrates and like I'm lowering my veg intake in the evening so I'm not sitting on the couch with a food baby before bed so little things like that which um, I find really reassuring and like I don't finish a meal now like absolutely starving and wanting to eat 10 times more so that's all really good yeah it's amazing like day by day week by week the food focus is going down Mm. and the biggest thing for me is especially just during our training sessions like i don't have any hint of feeling hypoglycemic at all and i'm just so focused on my training i'm not thinking about my post-workout meal at all yeah 
yeah. that's good. Oh, it's just, it feels so freeing. Yeah, I, I definitely in the same boat as you. Like I, I still enjoy to eat, but... Oh yeah, it's friggin' lovely. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm enjoying the eating process, but I'm not like settling down completely ravenous. Like even for our rest day roast yesterday, I could have easily, and I purposely ate less throughout the day in order to fit in the, the bigger mm-hmm. meal. And I was like, yeah, I could... You sure you want to eat at four? You don't want to eat at five? Oh like, yeah, <laughs> I want to eat my slow-cooked turkey at four, thanks. <laughs> yeah, so we're at different stages, as you can tell. But... I was just so excited. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best rest day roast we've ever had. Mm. I mean, but you've progressed faster in other ways. Like your training is is um, is in a better spot than probably mm-hmm. mine at the moment. And probably so is your energy maybe in the evenings. Yeah. Oh, the other thing as well to wrap up, I guess, is sleep. Just we've been talking for a long time, but like sleep has improved significantly. And I know a lot of listeners will like this just because every pretty much every prep competitor uh, goes through average sleep. Oh, and the insomnia. It's honestly probably one of the worst parts. I would argue that the insomnia might even be worse than feeling hungry. Mm, potentially. It's awful <laughs> because it ties into it. Like yeah. the less you sleep, the hungrier you feel too. Yeah. And the longer you have to wait for that meal. But Ugh. Yeah, to clue you guys in, even for like the first two or three weeks after prep, I was still waking up at like 3, 3.30, trying to just lie in there, fall back to sleep if possible, despite taking melatonin at like midnight when I would wake up to piss. And now I am kind of effort- effortlessly sleeping in until like 5, 5.30. This morning, for, <laughs> this morning for the first time in probably a year, over a year, I got woken up by an alarm at 5.30. I was thinking about that too. Oh my goodness. I we, I was like, what is that noise? Yeah. <laughs> it's so unfamiliar. I'm the gonna... dogs were a bit surprised as well. Yeah, they didn't know what to yeah the dogs were like, turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> but what a dream. We woke up at 5.30 a.m. to an mm. alarm. Yeah, things are definitely progressing in this department. <laughs> yeah. So like we, we probably fall asleep at like 9, 9.15. So mm-hmm. that's still a solid eight hours for us. And like I, I want to keep that routine of going to bed at around nine, waking up at five, five thirty. Mm, like just get... we stop watching TV at like eight fifteen, and then we usually read our Kindles until, up until around nine. Yeah. You're, you're giving away all of our secrets. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to help. <laughs> this is a this is a helpful educational podcast, guys. <laughs> and I'll I'll probably keep taking melatonin until I'm like very consistent with that new schedule, and then I'll taper off. Mm-hmm. And I'll continue taking ashwagandha just because of um, some new, not new research, but some more of our own education that we've done into ashwagandha. It's it's more of like chronic use of ashwagandha mm-hmm. um, is is going to be more beneficial than acute use. Like ashwagandha is kind of like creatine. You don't take creatine before a session to get a good session or a good mm-hmm. pump in the gym. You take creatine chronically in order to, to reap the creatine phosphate stores. Yeah. And I'm going to put my hand up there and say that last week I did talk about how I wanted to improve my sleep and I was going to go cold turkey on the ashwagandha and melatonin. Mm. Tried that for a few days, but then I did get back on the ashwagandha train, but yeah. not, I haven't taken melatonin for over a week now and mm. sleeping great, but the ashwagandha is really nice. Yeah. And I think like the, the evidence is actually quite mixed for the sleep. It's just more so 
stress reduction. Mm. But, but I guess that ties in with sleep, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Cortisol levels. I even read a study saying it boosts testosterone. So. Well, I'll take <laughs> double the capsules then. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hit up iHerb after this podcast. <laughs> we do need to stock up though. So. Awesome. Well, yeah, it has been a good week. But what we always finish each podcast on is one thing we want to improve. Mm-hmm. So what do you want to improve this week, Jack? I'll let you start. Ooh, this coming week, uh, I need to improve my Instagram game. I'm gonna I'm not That's gonna I'm not gonna lie, I'm in Slack. Just on my Instagram page. I feel like in terms of everything else with our social media, it's going really well. You know, we're sticking to a schedule TBD, we're posting a YouTube video each week. I'm I'm on my Instagram stories, but it's just my page. Like yeah. I go through these waves of I post a lot and then I don't post too much and Mm. I think it's uh, for a lot of the listeners, it's probably a very foreign way of looking at it because Mm. back at uni, we were like, oh, let's let's create an Instagram account and like share our journey. And it was very unrelated to business. It was just a personal Instagram account where we Mm -hmm. shared fitness and nutrition. Yeah. But now it's it's entirely different. Like I've probably midway through prep, like that switch just flicked for me in terms of the TBD Instagram and my own Instagram where Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is how I make money. This is how... Like, obviously, it's sharing my journey as well, but it's mm-hmm. also um, sharing the brand of TBD and making it bigger. Yeah. And so like, now I see it as more of like enjoyment, but also work. And, and since then, I've stuck to a schedule and haven't missed a day. I know. And I admire you for that. And I just need to pick up my game because mm-hmm. I have certainly been slack. And I think the thing with me is because there's just no consequences to it. You yeah. know, like if I don't post an Instagram post, it's well, not there's like no, I'm... there's no there's no. Um, negative reinforcement direct yeah. negative reinforcement but there is i would say there is long-term negative reinforcement yeah. and it's weird as well because i have so much content that i can share i've yeah. got like so many freaking photos from prep that no one has ever seen mm. and they're actually even sitting in the drafts folder on my instagram but <laughs> i think i'm overthinking it of i'm like i should write this really great caption for this post but it's like man when people are on instagram usually they they're there for the photos anyway mm. well and as well like you yeah, I mean, listeners, like, go and tell Tierra that, like, you... <laughs> Tierra, we miss, we miss seeing you on the feed. <laughs> but they also, they don't, nobody looks at a photo and they're like, oh, wow, that, your fingernail there is missing a nail. Like, especially when it's zoomed out on <laughs> Unless stage. Unless it's a photo of your hand. <laughs> yeah, but, like, you're just overthinking it to the max and... Like, um, I think honest, I'm just going to say downright, I've just been lazy and mm. it just hasn't been at the forefront of my mind. I've just been prioritizing all of these other things, but I'm going to pick up my game and I'm going to try to stick to at least three posts per week on my Instagram feed and just keep up everything else. Epic. Yeah. yeah. I've just really got to stick to that. It's always been my own downfall. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Jack, what do you want to improve this week? So I want to make a cool recipe video for YouTube mm-hmm. and that's going to be so I filmed it all on Friday and now I'm going to start editing it today. And I also am writing an Instagram post today for myself, but it's going to be my baked oats video, which mm-hmm. I've been saying I'm going to make for a while. And I was kind of just building up a lot of, uh, I don't know if the correct word is hype for an oats <laughs> video, but. Oh, I feel <laughs> the hype. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm going to start editing that today. It's Monday. I'm hopefully going to release it on Wednesday afternoon. So mm-hmm. um, keep an eye out for that. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube, tick that notification bell, and definitely give it a try because, like, it was it was epic. Yeah. Like, and I can k- say that now without my food focus being super high. It was a good, 
it was a good baked oats creation. I bet it was. Yeah. Well, I know it was. <laughs> I was behind that camera. Cool. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you did enjoy it, remember, please take a screenshot, post it to your Instagram stories, tag Jack, tag myself, tag TBD, and we will catch you next week. <laughs>